Father in heaven, seal these hearts of ours, we pray. God, keep us close to you. There are so many temptations in this world. There are so many things vying for our attention. And yet the greatest place we could ever be is right in your hands for, for you to just mold us and shape us and use us and make us. And God, that's what I pray for this morning. As we have come into your house, we've come into your hands, so to speak. And we ask that you work right now through your word. And as we're on this potter's wheel, we pray that you would poke us where we need to be poked and you would shape us where we need to be shaped. And Lord, I just pray that you would help me to faithfully preach your word. And this tool is so powerful, Father. I pray that I would be very careful with it to honor you uh, in how I handle the word this morning. May I handle it accurately. And I just pray that you would empower this time. Lord, do what only you can do and change us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My youngest son, Dawson, uh, was seven at the time. And we were flying out to New Jersey to, uh, for my brother-in-law's baptism. And it was many years ago now. And he was having a polar baptism on New Year's Day. And we were on our way back from that uh, on an American Airlines flight coming home. And there was a man sitting next to Dawson and I on the plane. And he had a 14-week-old uh, English bulldog, which was funny, Lola, in a bag on the floor. But, but regardless, Dawson was in the middle seat between us on this flight. And I noticed my son was writing with a, a black crayon on a small yellow piece of paper. And I was curious what he was, what he was writing. He wasn't drawing, he was writing. So I, I leaned over and I read it and I wrote down what he, had, he was writing. And this is what it said. Say this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I hope someday I can be with you and God. I want to be in heaven with you. I told Dawson that I liked this note, and uh, I, uh, then he looked at me, and this is what he said. He said, do you know who it's for? I said, I think so. And then he whispered, it's for the man next to me. And I said, do you want me to get his attention for you uh, and, and, and so that you can give it to him? And he, and he nodded his head. And so I spoke to the man that was sitting next to Dawson, and I said, uh, excuse me, sir, um, my son was just writing something for you. And uh, he did this all on his own. He wants to give it to you. And we're Christians, and he just wants to tell you how much the Lord loves you. And so Dawson gave him his gospel track that he had been writing, uh, you know, next to him. And uh, we had a great conversation with the man, and the man ended up already being a believer, but he was greatly encouraged uh, in his faith. I'm amazed, the example of a child. Truly a child will lead them. And uh, my seven-year-old son, concerned for the eternal destiny of a man, a complete stranger on a plane that he's never met before, and he's writing his own track to share with this guy. Wow. And I'm sitting here as his pastor father, not even bringing up the conversation. My son is doing it for me. It's amazing. Sometimes we struggle to share our faith, myself included. Sometimes we, we feel awkward. We're not sure what to say or how to go about saying it. Um, sometimes we, we, we're unsure of ourselves and we lack confidence. And um, sometimes we're just too busy. We don't, we don't even think to share the gospel with unsaved people around us. Or, or we're just completely unaware of the opportunity that God has just laid in our lap and we miss it. My prayer this morning is that God is gonna, God is gonna help us to see the souls of people 
beyond our schedules and our busyness. That, that God is going to motivate us this morning to be better at caring for the lost and really reaching out to them. And that, that God will help me to do this, that God will help you to do this as well, that we'll overcome our fear. The scripture says um, very clearly, perfect love casts out what? It casts out fear. And so to me, as I look at this, my fear of witnessing will fade as my love for people grows. Perfect love will cast out fear. So when I really start falling in love with unsafe people, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to fear because my love for those people is going to cast out my fear. And, and maybe that's where you are. Maybe God just really needs to work in your heart and my heart to love people more because that perfect love for those unsaved neighbors, those unsaved coworkers, those unsaved classmates, that'll cast out our fear. We won't have fear when we really love like we should. One of our, our values as a church is reaching out to evangelize, to disciple. Evangelize the lost and disciple the saved, to, to really reach out to people. Now, that value flows from our mission, and some of you don't know what our mission is. This is our mission, to passionately make disciples who are radically devoted to Christ. That, that's our mission here at Harvest to passionately, with all our heart, make disciples who are not, not just coming to church, not just reading their Bible once in, once in a while, but who are radically devoted to Christ. We want a depth that takes place with the people we lead to the Lord. We don't want to be shallow Christians. So that's our mission, to passionately make disciples who are radically devoted to Christ. But, but why do we do this? This is not just about a chore. Okay, I know I'm supposed to share my faith, so I'll share my faith. Why do we do this? It's the great commandment. The motivation is this, a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. And again, that ties right back into perfect love casts out fear. We need to love God with all we are and to love people like ourselves. Now, we have an example of the Lord, many examples, but one of the examples of him reaching out is in John chapter 4. And so I invite you to take your Bibles. Turn to John chapter 4. And we see the Lord talking to this woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, town of Sychar. And he invites her to partake of the water of life, and she'll never thirst again, he says, if you partake. And she says, man, give me this water. And they're conversing and about religion and worship, and then the Lord will reveal that he knows all about her tainted past. He knows about her immorality, and he's still talking to her, still caring for her. And then she heads out of town to tell others that she thinks she's found the Christ. And we pick up the story in John chapter 4, verse 31. John chapter 4, verse 31. Read along as I read. The disciples come back. Meanwhile, they're urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. He said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, they're scratching their heads. No one brought him anything to eat, did he? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. 
For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you've not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Sharing our faith, sometimes very hard for us. What do we learn about sharing our faith? Number one is this, it satisfies the soul. This is what's really going to satisfy the longing in your spiritual heart, sharing your faith. The disciples are urging him, Rabbi, eat. Now understand the disciples, it's all about the physical food. They're like a concerned grandma here. You know, you got to put some meat on the bones. You got to have something to eat. You need your strength. And they're trying to force feed the Lord. We just went into town. We got lunch. We brought it back for you. You haven't eaten all day. You've been working with people all day. You've been ministering to people all day. You got to eat something, Lord. And he's still busy with people. Jesus' response in 32, I have food that you do not know about. You know, he says, I'm fine. I've been eating. I have plenty of food. And so they've got to be wondering, does he have a secret stash of goodies he hasn't told us about? What's going on here? Who's brought him food? What is he talking about? I don't see any food. What is this food? Verse 33. No one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So Jesus explains, because this goes right over the heads of the disciples. They're thinking physical food. He's thinking spiritual food. He's thinking, this is what satisfies me, guys. It's the spiritual food is what I need. What satisfies you? Snickers will say, Snickers, it satisfies. Portillo's satisfies. Olive Garden satisfies. What satisfies you and me? Jesus says, true satisfaction is spiritual satisfaction. You know what Jesus says? Give me some soul food. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, give me some soul food, doing the will of God, doing the work of God, sharing the gospel of God. He says, I want you guys to develop an appetite for God's will. That's what he's talking about here. My food is to do the will of God and to accomplish the work of God. Psalm 4.8 needs to be our prayer. I delight to do your will, oh my God. That's what the psalmist said. Some of us are spiritually starving. Why? Because you're not in God's will and you're not doing God's will. Honestly. You're not in God's will. So you're spiritually starving. You're not satisfied. You're not doing God's will. You're running around here and your schedule's over here and this, that, and the other thing. And God is saying, will you stop? I want you to think about my will. And I want you to do my will. We're we're too busy licking the lollipops of this world instead of chewing on some juicy spiritual steak that God wants to give us. We're we're too busy playing around with the cotton candy of our culture instead of really feasting upon the will of God and the work of God. He's saying if you want satisfaction in this life, you're going to have to find it in the will of God and the work of God. It's time to start eating up the will of God, and you'll get your spiritual strength back. Now, here's some food for thought. Look at verse 34. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. In other words, Jesus hasn't eaten all day. What is the Lord teaching us? That it's okay to skip the physical in order to do the spiritual. Some of us think we're going to die if we miss lunch. 
No, you won't die at all. As a matter of fact, it might be good for some of us. I want you to understand this. Jesus says, be willing to skip the physical in order to do the spiritual. Skip a meal in order to minister, if that's what it comes down to. It's like being in the middle of witnessing to some guy and say, you know what, I'm really hungry right now, sorry. No way. You go without the physical to do more of the spiritual. You prioritize people over portillos. You prioritize people over pizza. You prioritize the souls of men and women and boys and girls. That's what Jesus is saying is going to satisfy. And and he's also saying exercise self-control. He's saying to his disciples, you guys have no self-control. You always got to be about the next meal. Where are we eating? What are we getting? What do we... It's not about the next meal. It's about the next spiritual meal. How can can I impact somebody for God? What can I do? Lord, use me in their life. Start longing for the next spiritual meal. Like you've been longing for the next physical meal. This was the life of the Lord. uh, Matthew 6.38. I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And and that needs to be our prayer as Jesus taught in Matthew 6, verse 9 through 11. Pray then in this way, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. I want you to notice both are in there, the spiritual as well as the physical. But notice the order. First you ask for spiritual food, the will of God. Then you ask for physical food, something to eat. Be about asking God from here on out about the spiritual. God, what's my next spiritual meal? God, what what can I do for you? Be about the spiritual. So he says, my food is to do the will of God. And and then he says, and to accomplish his work. So, so So he has two courses to this meal. God's will and God's work. And he says here, to accomplish the work. In other words, he wants to see it through. Not just talk about it. And not just wait around and maybe for someone else to do it. Not just start the work of God and then quit the work of God. How many have kids like that? Pick up your room. Yeah, they pick up most of it and then they leave the rest. Pick up your toys. Yeah, they pick up some of it. Put the dishes away. Clothes not completely picked up. Dishes not completely put away. Toys not completely picked up. What does that do to you as a mom or a dad? It frustrates you. They started it and they didn't finish it. Wonder how frustrated our Heavenly Father is with some of us. You started His will, and then you dropped it. You started His work, and then you dropped it. Maybe the message this morning is from your Heavenly Father, pick my will and my work back up. You're not done. It's time to get back at it. It's time to get back to my will. It's time to get back to my work. Same focus of our Lord, John 5, 36, the works which the Father has given me to accomplish the very works I do. John 17, 4, in his high priestly prayer, I glorified you on the earth having accomplished the work which you gave me to do. That's why we've been created, to do the will and the work of our Heavenly Father. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we would walk in them, do the work that God has given us to do. And I want you to understand, there is no greater work than sharing the gospel. There, There is no greater work than sharing 
forgiveness of sins through Jesus with someone who needs the Lord in their life. 2 Timothy 4, 5, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. May we hunger for the souls of the unsaved, those neighbors of yours, those co-workers, those classmates. Start hungering for those people that need the Lord. The will of God is what satisfies in life the work of God. Now, sharing our faith not only satisfies the soul, but look at verse 35. Sharing our faith means now, not what? Not later. It means now, not later. Do you not say there's yet four months and then comes the harvest? We can wait for the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for a harvest. And the Lord is using agricultural terminology here. Farming in Israel, planting, waiting four months to reap the harvest. Today, I mean, think about it. We know something about farming here in Illinois. Number two in the nation in in corn production. Number two in the nation behind soybean production. Right behind Iowa on both of those. There's a lot of farm. There's thousands and thousands of acres of farmland all around us in the state of Illinois. Planting happens in the spring. Harvesting happens in the fall. Spiritual farming is different, and that's what the Lord is teaching. He's saying spiritual farming is different than physical farming. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, they're white for harvest. In other words, you can plant at any time. Plant all the time. You can harvest at any time. Harvest all the time. He's saying, listen, spiritual farming is different. Behold, look at this. Don't miss this. Look, he says, lift up your eyes. Too many Christians are missing the crops. They're missing the crops all around us. Many of you know I run with my dog, Scout, and uh, I'll take him on a trail run. We'll be running through the woods, running through forest preserves, and, and all Scout does is keep his head down and sniff the ground. He never lifts up his head. And there'll be deer bounding and leaping right beside us at times. Not too far away. He misses them. There'll be eagles soaring high. He misses them. Why? Because he's got his nose in the dirt. That's all he's doing. He's got his nose in the dirt going back and forth, back and forth on this run. And sometimes I got to tug his leash and pop his neck to try to get him to see the whitetail just bounding right next to him. Dumb, dumb dog. You know what we have? We have too many Christians sniffing the dirt. We've got too many Christians with their head in the sand. We've got too many, could I say it, should I say it, dumb, dumb Christians. When the eagles of opportunities are soaring all around us. We got our, we got our noses in, in our schedules. We got our noses in those stupid phones. And we got our noses all over the place. And God is saying, look up. Lift up, Christian. I'm tugging on your neck this morning. There's people all around you in need of me. God is working in their hearts. People are hurting Individual lives you see every single day in need of Christ. And your head and your nose is in the dirt. And God is saying, will you lift up your eyes? Lift up. See, the disciples were ignoring this woman. They'd rather go get lunch. 
The disciples didn't see her as the mission field. They saw her as someone to avoid, as a matter of fact, especially when you find out she's got five husbands and the one she's with is not her wife, her husband. I mean, they're ignoring the woman. The disciples are ignoring the Samaritans. They didn't see the Samaritans as a mission field. These were half-breeds, half-Jews. They were, they were, stay away from those people. And Jesus is saying, look, look at the people you are ignoring, purposely ignoring. Look at the people who you see as different, and you want nothing to do with them. Because they live on the wrong side of the tracks, or, or you don't like how they look, or some other reason. And God is saying, I want you to pop your head up for a minute. And I want you to see that neighbor that you ignore. That's who I want you to share the gospel with. That's your mission field. I, I want you to lift up your head and look at that coworker that you've been ignoring because you don't like them. And God is saying, that's your mission field. I want you to go share the gospel with them. Look at that classmate that you've been ignoring, because they're not, they're not cool, or they're not in the in-group, or they're the jock, or they're, they're the, in the drama, and they're whatever. They're not like you. God is saying, lift up your head. That's your mission field. That's who I want you to go get to know. That's who I want you to share the gospel with. So the disciples had their heads in the dirt, their noses in the dirt. And God is saying, there are individual lives all around you. You have purposely been ignoring some of you. And he's saying, that's your mission field. This week, I want you to go talk to them. This week, I want you to go introduce yourself. This week, I want you to strike up a conversation. And let me me lead you into a spiritual conversation with them. He says they are white for harvest. Well, what does this mean? Well, the the woman had gone into town, and we know a crowd had followed her. Back to John 4, verse 29. Come see a man who told me all the things I've done. This is not the Christ, is he? Is it? Verse 30, they went out of the city and were coming to him. So there's this whole group of people coming out of the city to see Jesus. And many commentators believe that they would have been dressed in white robes anyway. And so he looks up from the hill or from the valley, and he sees this whole group of people dressed in white coming toward him. And then he says, behold, the harvest is white unto harvest. John 4.31, there would be a harvest, or 4.39. From that city, many of the Samaritans, what? They believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all things I've done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed there two more days. And many more, what? Believed because of his word. And so there was a harvest. People are believing, and people are believing, and over the next two days, people, more and more people are believing. God has brought the harvest to the disciples, and there was ministry there. God has maybe brought you here today to hear the word because he wants to harvest your soul. At the end of the service today, I'll I'll lead you in a prayer of salvation. You're here today maybe as a religious person, maybe as an irreligious person, but you know you're a sinner and you need Jesus. I want to encourage you to place your faith in him. Your life will never be the same. Trust him as your savior. There's no need to wait. I want you to understand that. No need to wait to receive the Lord. No need to wait to share the Lord. 
Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields. They are white for harvest. You don't have to wait to receive the Lord. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You can be saved today. Don't put it off. You don't have to wait to share the Lord. Understand, souls are different than seeds. You can harvest people quickly. You can share the gospel right then and harvest their soul for God right then. That can happen. No waiting necessary. Plant the seed, same day harvest it. In other words, when you're sharing the gospel with someone, I want to encourage you to always give them the opportunity to respond to the Lord. Always ask them. You know, we've just talked about a relationship with the Lord. Is this something you would like today, to do today to receive the Lord? I, I could lead you in a prayer if you'd like to do that, if you're ready to do that and if you mean it. Sometimes we share the gospel, share the gospel, and we say, well, think about it. Just don't tell them to think about it. Ask them right then. Would you like to? That's why, as a pastor, you know I do this every service. I will always, I always try to lead people in a salvation prayer because I don't know where people are spiritually. And I'm always amazed every time I do a baptism, just about every time we hear of somebody in their testimonies. By the way, you need to start coming to the baptisms if you don't and encourage these new believers. And every time we hear a testimony or two, I was sitting in the service and I prayed with Pastor Scott. You don't know who's here. I don't know who's here. And so I always share the gospel. But I want to encourage you to put your farmer's almanac away and pick up your Bible. And don't be nonchalant. Don't have a casual attitude, but get busy planting. So, so you can harvest the seed the same day. Now, there are some times we need to be patient. I shared a couple weeks ago that I had been witnessing to my grandfather my grandfather, Lloyd Reef, I hardly knew him growing up. 17 years I've been witnessing to this man. We go back to New Jersey. We go visit him in his little trailer park. And I talk to him every single time. Grandpa, I want to talk to you about the Lord. And I share the gospel. And I, I told you, two weeks ago, he called me in tears on the phone. He and his girlfriend, long story short, I led them both to the Lord on the phone. They came to Christ. 17 years planting seeds and watering seeds, and then God gave me the opportunity to reap as well. That's just God's good, gracious heart. So what I want to tell you, don't stop witnessing to people. Some of you have given up on people. Don't give up on them. That, that loved one, don't give up on them. Keep sharing the gospel with them. My mom, I'm still sharing the gospel with that hard-nosed woman. And I will continue to. I'm going to a pastor's conference in a couple of weeks down in Florida, of all places. Oh, that's just wonderful. <laughs> she lives outside of Tampa. I took it as of the Lord that this conference would be near where she lived. Guess what I'm going to do when I go down to this conference? I'm getting together with my mom. And guess what she's going to hear again? She's going to hear the gospel again. Why? Because I love her. Perfect love casts out fear. I love her too much to not share the gospel. Start loving people and start sharing the gospel. Sharing our faith satisfies the soul. Sharing our faith now, not later. Sharing our faith means rewards will be received. This is just God's bonus. I mean, it's a beautiful reward when you get to share the gospel. It's a beautiful reward when you get to lead somebody to Christ. It's a beautiful thing God gives us as a gift then. But look what we see in verse 36. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, and so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Reapers are rewarded, not just here in this life, but the life to come. Eternal fruit awaits you. 
gathering earthly fruit and gathering eternal rewards. Those are deposits made in the banks of eternity when you do his will and when you do his work. Matthew 6, 19, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your what? Your heart will be also. Start doing the will and work of God and storing up those treasures. That's where your heart should be and can be. And we see where these rewards will be given out. Just three passages. 1 Corinthians 3.8, He who plants, and this is the context of rewards. He who plants and he who waters are one, but each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. God has rewards for you. 1 Corinthians 3.13, Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And that fire, and the fire itself, will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he's built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. And this is the judgment for believers, not for heaven and hell, but, but for God meeting with his children to look at their lives and to reward them if they've done well. Some of you don't have much by way of deposit up in heaven. You're lacking in the area of God's will and God's work. Isn't it time you start witnessing to people? Isn't it time you start sharing the gospel? 2 Corinthians 5.10, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one will be recompensed for his deeds in the body, each according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Sharing our faith satisfies the soul, means now, not later, means rewards will be received. And then verse 36 through 38, it means join the team. This is a call to join the team. Look at the end of verse 36. So that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you've not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. So there's teamwork here, enjoying teamwork. Sometimes we sow seeds. Sometimes we reap the harvest. Sometimes we plant, we share the gospel. I, I mentioned a week ago, I was running, and there was a couple looking at the eagles in Oswego. I, I talked to that couple, just shared the gospel with them. Didn't know them from anybody. Conversation came up about the eagles. I shared Isaiah about the strength of the eagle and how God likens it. One thing led to another. I talked about how God can work in our hearts. I didn't lead them to the Lord, but I planted some seeds. So sometimes we sow. I want you to understand, never be discouraged that people don't repent on the spot. Okay? Don't be discouraged. No seed of the gospel is ever sown in vain. No seed is ever sown in vain. It is never a waste of time to give the gospel. His word never returns void. This is what I call guiltless evangelism. Enjoy guiltless evangelism. Not every person you talk to will come to Christ. Jesus didn't lead everybody he talked to to himself. If Jesus didn't do it, don't think you're going to do it. It's guiltless evangelism. Just plant seeds. Sometimes we sow, sometimes we reap. Sometimes there are opportunities to lead people to Christ. Like that time on the phone with my grandpa and his girlfriend. What a joy. There are those times as well. 
But both, he says, rejoice. The reaper is not better than the sower. The sower is not better than the reaper. 1 Corinthians 3, 6. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was what? Causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is what? Anything. But God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. Each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's what? Fellow workers. Join the team. Be a sower. Be a reaper. Be a reaper. Be a sower. But join the team. One sows, one reaps. I can't tell you how many people planted into my life before I came to Christ. My friend Bob Weir witnessed to me. Another youth leader, Tim Bromhead, witnessed to me. A friend of mine, Lynn Mazzatelli, her family witnessed to me. Many people were sowing. They were just in the line of people God was using in my own heart. Same with you. People used different, God used different people in your life. And God has used you in people's lives and different people. You were just in that line as well. And another reaps. One person eventually will have that privilege of leading them in prayer. But make sure they fully understand the opportunity when you lead them in prayer. I I, I just want to tell you, I think there'd be a lot less problems in churches if we just focused on teamwork evangelism. If we just kept the main thing the main thing. Reaching out. Evangelizing and discipling. Making that our mission to really passionately make radically devoted disciples for Jesus. And then verse 38, I sent you to reap for that which you've not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Sometimes fruit just falls from the tree. Not much waiting. The ground's already been prepared. The harvest is already ripe. And you've just partnered with other people. Uh, Others have maybe been witnessing to them for years and pouring their life and praying and preparing the soil. And can I tell you something? I would have been completely fine with anybody else leading my grandfather to the Lord. 17 years of sowing, and if I'd have got the call, Scotty, I came to know Jesus, I'd be just as happy. So so it doesn't matter is what God is saying. Just be on the team. Be on the local team. Matthew 9, 36. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them. There's that love. Because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is what? Plentiful. The workers are what? Few, therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. We need people on the local harvest team for God. They're saying, Lord, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. I want to be one of your workers. We need people to join the foreign team. There's fields all around this world. I want to encourage some of you to go on a short-term missions trip. There's a table in the foyer. You can go to California. You can go to Berlin, Germany. You can go to Mexico this coming spring and summer. We've got trips. You can go and see what God is doing out there. But by all means, partner and join the team. And that's sharing our faith. It satisfies the soul. It means now, not later. It means rewards will be received. And it means join the team. Now, what I want to do is something a little different today. And you don't have to come up here if you don't want to. But I want to open the altar up this morning, this entire area. And if there is an unsaved person that you are truly burdened for, that you want to bring before God, I I want you to come on up. You know, whether it's a loved one you've been praying for for years or whether it's a next-door neighbor. So everybody just bow your head right now.
And if you need to make your way up here and commit these people to the Lord or that person to the Lord, God's just been working in your heart, just, just come right now. Don't let anything stop you. Just come up here and, and talk to God about this. Just lift them up to God. And maybe God, in, through this message, has been working in your heart that you need help in this area of evangelism and witnessing, and, and you just want to come forward and say, God, I want you to work more in me. I want you to use me. I'm afraid, and I want to be done with this fear. So if that's you, I want to invite you to come up right now as well. Just come up and talk to the Lord about using you to share the gospel. Just come on up. Pray for that unsaved relative. Pray for that unsaved neighbor. Pray for that coworker. Pray, lift up your heart. Cry out for their soul. They need Christ. If they're not around us, pray that God would bring people into their lives to share the gospel. Maybe this is an area you've been struggling, the will of God and the work of God in evangelism. Right now, ask God to forgive you. Ask God to help you. Ask God to empower you. Ask God for the boldness. Ask God for a deeper love for people because perfect love will cast out that fear. Just talk to the Lord right now. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You may be here this morning and honestly, you've never come to faith in Jesus. I would love the privilege right now of sharing the gospel and leading you in a prayer. And you may say, Scott, that's me. I, I need Christ in my heart. What do I do? In the quietness of your heart right now, you can call out to God in prayer. And just use words like these, Lord Jesus. Just say these words to the Lord in faith with all your heart. Lord Jesus, I am a wicked sinner. And I desperately need you in my heart. I desperately need you in my life. Please forgive me for all my sin. Lord, save me from my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for loving me that much. Lord, I place my faith in you to save me. I place my faith in you. I can't save myself. Forgive me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We can just all stand right now. And if you've prayed to receive the Lord this morning, I would just encourage you to seek one of us out. And if you did pray to receive the Lord, a simple thing you can do is in your bulletin, there's a little perforated tear-off sheet. You can just...